What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure to click the subscribe button, like, comment, and let us know what you think about the episode. And let us know if there's a particular topic or a guest that you want on. We're always checking topics on there and love to be able to work to get the either the guests or the topics that you want onto the podcast. Today I'm going to be chatting with the guys from DMAX store and it's going to be a really cool conversation. I wanted to go over with them LB7 to L5Ps. What can go wrong on them as they get higher mileage or maybe if they're new, what are some new problems that are popping up on the L5P? So it's going to be a great conversation to chat with them about trucks from 2001 to current, get their insight and then fixes for those trucks if you happen to have one. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a discount code for you. If you use code 23diesel20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com, you can save 20% off site-wide. So it's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. If you need a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, anything in between, they definitely got you covered. They've released a bunch of new models this year, and the newest one are the Duralocks, which are, are, are really, really nice. I've got a few of them myself. The way that they open is super smooth. Um, the blade is D2 steel, and and there's a bunch of different blade shapes and then also handle designs as well. So if you're in the market, definitely make sure and head on over to their website. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site wide. Save some money, get some cool gear. All right, let's get to today's episode with DMAX Store and talking about LB7 L5Ps, what can go wrong on them, and ways that you can fix them if you're having an issue. Jake and Chad, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys, learning more about DMAX Store and Duramaxes, and I, I definitely want to make sure we cover all of them because they're they're uh, they're great trucks. There's so much potential that people have with them. Whether it's you know you need something to daily drive or you want to have a little bit of fun with it. So I'm looking forward to learning about LB7s to L5Ps and learning more about DMAX Store. Yeah, great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Tell me a bit about um, DMAX Store and and you, know, you guys yourselves and and just the history of the company. What you guys specialize in? What what your bread and butter is? So really Duramax only. So anything that's going to have a Duramax on is what we're going to be hitting on. So through the online store, we're going to pretty much offer anything we can that's going to be related to that Duramax. Uh, company started back in about 2007 with our owner, started with a laptop in his garage and started with just kind of doing some drop ship things and then opened up a local shop in the uh, Plasterville, California area. And then it's just kind of grown from there. So it's been a, a fun ride. I've been here for about 10 years. I'm the general manager, and I knew our owner from working together at a local Chevrolet dealership um, prior to here. And then uh, Jake. Yeah, I've been with the company almost as long as Chad came on a few months after. Um, my family's known the owner for a long time since uh, he's known them. So um, yeah, pretty much just work on everything Duramax and um, has grown from yeah, just a small shop into a, a pretty big e-commerce store. And then uh, we do have our partners over at Duramax Service Center now that take care of all our shop needs. It's really yeah, we originally started with a lot of stuff that was, you know, what we believed in or what owner Mike believed in in regards to parts. And as we continue to grow, it's like there's a lot of stuff that maybe we might not put on our truck, but customers wanting it. So we just started just adding, you know, more product and try and get more stuff out there and build the brand, build the website. And uh, having Jake doing marketing and social media has been huge for us because that's really helped us take off in these last definitely like four to five years. It's definitely had a big expansion with it. I think it's really it's really cool. I, I've I've touched on this on some other episodes in general about how like being a truck owner or truck enthusiast. If I call a place, I can tell um, the person answering my questions if they're a Cummins guy, a Duramax, Power Stroke, and I want to find somebody who owns what I have. Like it's it's a big it's a big thing. Not that 
you know, somebody can know everything about all of them, but it's just, it gives you kind of that comfort. Like if I got a Duramax, I'm calling D-Max store. I know that the person I'm talking to is really into D-Max is probably has one. And it just, it helps with the conversation and, and the needs. And I think that's what a, a lot of, a lot of our listeners are, are looking for is it's such a popular platform. And it was really the one that kicked off, you know, common rail performance and and started it all in a five-speed transmission and it it, it just kind of set the the bar back then and it's taken off you know all the way up to the l5ps i thought it'd be really cool to chat with you guys and get your expertise and go through the year ranges because i'm sure you guys see it all the time is just because you know somebody has an lb7 they might not have been the original owner they picked it up because they wanted a simpler common rail maybe they love the body style of the 01 to to uh 04s and people may not know what to look for so i wanted to ask you guys on the lb7s what are some common failures common things that people call you about and say hey i've got an issue with this truck and fixes for them I'd say the biggest thing on the LB7 that everybody's going to be aware of or, or get to be aware of is the fuel injectors. You know, when these things first came out, they had an issue with um, fuel getting into the crankcase. They had an issue with the balance rate that was having fuel bleed into the combustion chamber, creating a smoking um, injector cup issues. So that's going to be the biggest thing I think the LB7 is known for. And Bosch has done a really good job with their brand new injectors, uh, probably starting about three, four years ago. They came back out with their brand new injector and had some updates made to them and they've been phenomenal. I mean, we've sold thousands of them and virtually had no issues. We've had a couple send back and we found that it was either a contamination issue or we worked through the customer, you know, working through the shop or the customer did the install. Maybe it might've been an installation error, but no actual warranty repairs on those where on the reman ones, we had some repairs or, you know, some warranty stuff with it where there was a defect in it and we took care of it. Um, you know, the aftermarket ones, there's a lot of great companies out there, but, you know, sometimes those might have an issue with them too, but I would say the injectors are going to be a big part and then, um, you know, steering and suspension. Yeah. I mean, you've got, I mean, all the, the factory steering's pretty undersized. You can see some, we've got, um, control arms, tie rods, I and mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can upgrade on those. And that's the same for the 2001 to 2010 platform. So, I mean, if you really want to upgrade them, I mean, you've, you've got our tie rods right here that are going to be way heavier duty than the factory ones and not going to bend. A lot of the factory stuff on this, those trucks is just going to constantly be under a lot of pressure, especially if we're doing any competition or four-wheel drive launches. Um, you're going to start bending parts up there. And so the Kryptonite and D-Max door line of products is definitely going to be the way to go to really solidify the front end of these trucks. On the suspension side, are there other parts of it that are going to wear maybe with mileage or time that you'd want to replace while you're in there you know, doing it? Or does it tend to be based around power level or maybe somebody's taking it to the drag strip every now and then and they got, you know, 600 or 650 and there's going to find, they're going to find other weaknesses besides the tie rods. Oh yeah. There's definitely like wheel bearings. Wheel bearings are going to be something, you know, those things are rotating all the time. So they're going to have a, a failure, you know, eventually they're going to wear out with them. So a wheel bearing, um, you're going to have just wear items, idler arm, pitman arms. I mean, obviously I got the tie rod part of that steering with it um ball joints you know just typical wear and tear types of items so there's different upgrades you can do um you know we have our xd wheel bearing kryptonite's a great company when it comes to other steering suspensions for more heavy duty stuff their wheel bearings are awesome uh, some other steering components are you know phenomenal the market that we have on them um, and then you just got like the xd line the control arms the ball joints um that, that's a big part of it right there but yeah there's definitely some wear and tear items big that i would say would be the hub assemblies 
Yeah, and I picked up a 2005 LOI that's got 350,000 miles on it. So obviously had some stuff that need to be replaced. I went ahead and replaced the tie rods with our XDs. We did a Moog either pitman arm and either arm support. And then I had wheel bearings that were bad and some ball joints. So I replaced all those with kryptonite as well, just to really um, bring everything together. Because it was the wheel bearing was really bad. I mean, it was really loud on the highway. And once I replaced that, I mean, it's been smooth as butter since then. So it's kind of the ball joints and stuff, they're all wear out. And once one part wears out, it's going to lead to more premature wear on the rest of the items as well. I never, I can't say that I'm a GM guy at heart. I have owned a Duramax. And the reason I wanted it was really because of the ride. And I didn't understand how different the ride was on the IFS versus some straight axles that I had. And I'm like, okay, I finally get it. I can this thing rides like a car. I love it. And for a daily driver, that's exactly what I wanted. And I think having some options to maintain that long-term are really important. Um, Chad, I wanted to go back to you on the injector thing for a second. Yeah. I've read historically with LB7 owners that they'll say, I've done two or three different sets of injectors um, on them. And you know they either find a set that works or they might not have these newest updated ones you mentioned from Bosch. Are there other things that if you're doing an injector job on an LB7, you should do as well? Like, should I look into um, a lift pump? Should I look into some other things to help protect those injectors after I put a new set in? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that uh, at the Duramax Service Center we started doing over there was injector cups. So injector cup is a, basically a sleeve that sits in the head that the injector sits in. And that cup, if it gets basically um, dislodged a little bit, maybe by removing it, uh, removing the injector out of it, it can actually create further issues. So you start getting um, maybe like a coolant um, inside the combustion chamber. So it might have like a long crank when startup, you can get exhaust gases inside that coolant also. So injector cups would be one good idea. Yeah, the high pressure lines is a big part of it too. Those high pressure lines get a lot of corrosion and that corrosion can actually lead back into the injector, which could cause a premature failure on that one too, because it's almost like a contamination. Um, valve adjustment, a simple valve adjustment is great to do because you have everything open and it's not an easy task to get those valve covers off. So valve covers are off on an LB7 do the fuel injectors. So go ahead and get those valves adjusted at that same time. I think we run at about 11 to 12 thousandths on those. And my experience with that is the customers are more happy that the truck is so much quieter when they bring it, when they pick it up after bringing it in, when they've got, you know, 200,000 plus miles on them, those valves just slowly start to come out on it. But uh, those would be a couple things there. Lift pumps are very important. Um, AirDog, Fast are probably the two big names we, we sell and carry and, and put on. And that's definitely help with the fuel quality to keep that fuel quality up to the injector and the injection pump. Uh, you're taking a load off the injection pump because it's also a vacuum pump that's drawing that fuel up from the tank. So adding a lift pump to help out, takes some moisture out of the fuel, takes the oxygen out of the fuel, and then just an additive. You know, some guys want to run an additive all the time, every fuel tank, and, and we typically tell them don't. I mean, save a little bit of your money, run it every third or fourth fill up because you don't want to overdo it. Um, I worked at a GM dealership for many years prior to coming here, and we actually would see overuse of some additives. So we'd pull injectors out, and you'd have like this gummy substance to the bottom of them, and it was actually posing issues. So uh, we typically tell customers, run an uh, OptiLube additive. The XPD is a great line, and run it every third or fourth fill up on it, and it's typically good to go from there. Those are really interesting insights because I, I find myself being an enthusiast and if I think, well, what, what truck would I want to buy? A lot of times I look towards the older ones and the LB7 has always stuck out to me because it has, it's new enough that it has common rail injection. I know there's tons of solutions for the transmissions, but they're 20 years old. So I may not know how it was taken care of. I may not know when the ejectors were changed, if they were changed, the condition of things. So I love, 
I love approaching something like that with a complete lineup of things I can do. Cause I really just want to do it once. I think everybody does. We just want to go through oh, yeah. it once and then it's, <laughs> and then it's good to go. How much does any of those recommendations change once we transition into two, into the 2004 and a half and the LLYs? Is it pretty much the same or are there some other issues you might find on those trucks? So on the fuel system, the fuel system changes a little bit just because it changes the injector. I mean, GM and Bosch worked a little bit, obviously, with this whole design to, to make it change. They call it an externally mounted injector, which basically just means that you don't have to go into the valve cover. So you can actually slide it out of the valve cover without removing the valve cover to do the repair on it. Um, so they had some electrical issues with the injectors, injector connectors, number two and seven are a big issue. Um, but the steering and suspension is all the same. The fuel system's the same. I mean, they changed a little bit on the pump, but ultimately it's still operating the same, still has the vacuum pump on it. Uh, so not a whole lot of changes on that, mainly just the injector itself, how it's managed and operated, still runs off the fuel injection control module. Um, so that's there. The, the big thing I would say on the LLY that it's known for is overheating and head gaskets. Head gaskets are going to probably be your, your most common thing on that truck that people are going to be leery of and not all of them have it but they change the radiator they change the way the cooling stack is uh, i was fortunate enough to work for general motors at a dealership and got to see these things come in brand new and having customers brand new bringing them in with overheating and melting air boxes because they just didn't have the airflow through them and so through the years to see these changes be made and then the aftermarket world making solutions for it to make them even better has been been fun to watch and, and nice to be able to know that there's products out there that can help solve problems if I don't have issues on an LOI, say I just find, say, a low mileage, really nice one, I've always you know, wanted it, I get it, I don't have issues, but I want to avoid it, what can I do before I need a head gasket job to alleviate those overheating and cooling issues? Uh, S&B or some other companies make the turbo inlet, so that's going to help out getting a good cold air intake on it or something that's going to have a good air source to be able to have good quality, clean air coming through there at a nice volume. The, the stock intake somewhat restricted, especially where the inlet is as it goes into the turbo. So getting better air through there is going to be helpful. Um, cleaning up the cooling stack, you know, we recommend having customers pull the radiator stack if they're doing a water pump at, say, 180,000 miles and just pressure wash it, clean it. You don't necessarily have to replace it unless it's bad. And making sure you just get good volume of air coming through there is going to be very helpful for it. Um, keeping an eye on the coolant, making sure that you're servicing that properly, thermostats, things like that. Um, you know, customers want to go ahead and do head studs and things like that, which is a good thing if you're going to do head gaskets. I'm not a big fan of doing a head stud without doing a head gasket. Um, some people want to do them, you know, one, you know, extract a bolt, put a stud in. I'm not a big fan. I'd rather just wait until you have an issue with it and then do it all right that one time, like you mentioned earlier. As far as, well, I thought of this because you mentioned your experience with um, with GM and, and working in a dealership. As far as some of the maintenance items like coolant, like thermostats, things like that, do you guys like to use OEM products for that? Or have you found solutions or maybe even things that are better in the aftermarket for some of the routine maintenance um, things as it pertains to the coolant system, LOIs? I guess it could apply to all the trucks that we're going to chat about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, we're going to be sticking with uh, the OE stuff. So, I mean, we run the AC Delco Dex Cool, and I mean, that has a little bit longer service life. You just got to make sure that you are sticking with that coolant. So, if you mix them, I mean, that can cause problems. There's a lot of aluminum in these engines, and the Dex Cool is the orange coolant. So, it's not going to really corrode any of that stuff like the, the green coolant can lead to. We've had to replace rear covers before uh, due to corrosion when someone puts in the wrong coolant. And I mean, just really making sure sticking with the OE thermostats, we see the best reliability out of those. Unless you're in a really, really extreme climate, Mishimoto has their hot and cold thermostats. But I mean, if you 
get cold, I mean, you're going to need to either put on a bra if you have, if you're in the hot thermos, hot climate and have the hot thermostats. So, I mean, you're going to really need to just, otherwise it's hard to get up to operating temperature, but usually we'll stick to, um, in the Nevada and California area, uh, we'll stick to the GM thermostats. And for most of the country, I think that's what we recommend as well. Yeah. And same goes with oil. I mean, we're running uh, typically the Chevron Dello, Mobile One Delvac. Those are the typically two oils that we recommend. I mean, we offer AMSOIL and some customers love AMSOIL and, and nothing against it. Uh, I just want to see a truck service at, you know, 5,000, 7,500 miles max. I'm not a big fan of going these 12,000, 13,000 mile intervals with them. So for the most part, maintenance wise, yeah, like Jake mentioned, we're going to be doing mostly stock stuff. Uh, oil filters can kind of vary. We want to have a good filter and, and same fuel filter. Fuel filter, we typically only recommend AC Delco or Raycor. We found that that's the best fuel filter for these models. There's a lot of fuel filters on the market out there that don't have good quality filtration. And that's just going to be, you know, detrimental to your fuel system long term. Uh, for fuel filters, those are those two. Uh, oil filters, the AC Delco, a Donaldson. Uh, we're actually going to be releasing a DMAX door oil filter line here coming up. We're just waiting on a couple little testings to come back. So we did some testing on some different things of what we want to try and put together with it and, and have a good filter that we can stamp our name on it that customers can know that can have good trust behind it. As far as how many... Did, like, do people contact you guys and say, I want a complete solution. I just got this truck. I don't know any of the history of it. Um, I want to be able to do all this stuff, you know, over the weekend. I, I want to get it ready to go. Do you guys offer all these different components? So if I called you and I said, hey, Chad, hey, Jake, I just picked up this really nice LLY. Um, it's got 150, 180,000 miles. I don't know anything done on it, but I want to I want to avoid a major headache. Do you guys have all this available where I can just have it shipped to me? We do. Yeah. Everything should be on dmaxstore.com. If there's something that a particular person's looking for that maybe we don't offer, we can definitely try and source it and get it and add it to the website. So there's things like that, that maybe customers might be working on something or bring something up to our information that we're not aware of. It's like, Hey, yeah, we can definitely do that. So then as, as long as we can get our hands on it, then we add the product to the website, give the cab customer, give us, Hey, give me, you know, 12, 24 hours and I'll get back to you. Once we get this product added, we can go over and build a shopping cart forum for, you know, fuel system upgrades, uh, steering suspension, maintenance, repairs, oil change kits. We offer a lot of packages. So we have some different filter kits. So it'd be like the transmission spin on filter, a oil, engine oil filter, the fuel filter with it. And then same with oil, you're going to, Hey, here's going to be a two, two and a half gallons or three gallons of oil plus a filter for you know X price. So they can hop on the website and get that going. And it's kind of crazy when maintenance wise, that's some of our most looked at products and then sold really, especially for the new LM2 half ton. Uh, we sell the crap out of the oil and filter kits with it. it it's kind of crazy to me is how much we moved that people are doing that much service on those trucks, which is, is good to see because people are getting their hands dirty and, and taking care of the vehicles. Yeah. And it could be one of the hardest things to, to do. And I think back to my own experiences with trucks, I'd have to go to place A for this, place B for that, place C. And it's just, it's really hard to remember or to just, it makes it harder to do it where if I could go to one place, get everything I need for just say my maintenance. And then I'm looking at the uh, suspension upgrades, like Jake mentioned, and some of these other things, I just have one source to go to, to be able to maintain my truck. So I, I really like that. And I'm thinking about the next evolution in, in the Duramax. And whenever I asked guys, what's your favorite one? I get one of two answers, LB7 or LBZ. And I know that there were a lot of changes on the engine side, like with pistons and different stuff like that. But what kind of issues, if somebody's looking at an LBZ, they should pay attention to 
And if the truck happens to have one of these issues, what are some common fixes you guys have for them? Yeah, I mean, first off, I'm Jim addressed a lot of issues with these trucks. I mean, the radiator, if you compare them next to the LOI radiator, it's much bigger. The intercooler is way bigger. The intake is uh, much better flowing. I mean, there's a lot of issues that GM decided to take on their own and address. So, I mean, they made it cool a lot better. But I mean, as far as the issues go, I mean, sometimes they do still overheat. I mean, usually that's from like higher mileage, people getting their um, radiators clogged and just kind of debris in between there. So if you go ahead and pressure wash the cooling stack or replace your radiator with a new one, so it doesn't overheat, that helps. But um, GM addressed a lot of the issues and there are some like lower end issues with some of the pistons and stuff, but basically keep the maintenance the same as the older trucks, same, just match the OE specs and make sure you keep that thing maintained. Yeah, I think probably the, the biggest thing we see on the LBZ is the turbo the turbo sticking. Uh, we see that a lot. It's, it's typically on a guy that maybe doesn't drive his truck. He uses it for that, that weekend hauler or he makes short trips on it. So in that turbo is the same as the LOY is basically has a unison ring and that unison ring has veins inside. So over time it can have like a, where a groove in the unison ring and basically starts to stick at a certain percentage. So the customer might not necessarily notice drivability issues, but he's getting codes for a uh, vein position sensor not learned or um, maybe like an underboost code something like that and he doesn't really notice that drivability until he hooks up a trailer and now he's trying to pull a hill and that turbo won't go to that proper um, percentage that it needs to, to build that boost and that's when he starts noticing the issue get a phone call on it so there's a lot of aftermarket turbos that are great the garrett brand news are good the garrett stage one garrett stage two or if you're trying to save a little bit of money even the garrett reman we move a lot of those. Um, when it comes to just your daily guy that's going to be doing towing and hauling and he's, he's not the, the drag racer, the sled puller, the stock stuff is great. The Garrett brand new are a great option for those things. It's not an easy task to do. It's, it's, it's a pretty big job. Uh, I know there's shops out there that want to take the turbo off and take it apart and clean it and put it back on. Me personally, not a big fan because if I'm a customer and I'm going to pay to do that and then I come back and have the same problem because you're probably not going to get it cleaned up that well. I'm going to be a little upset and now I got to pay the same labor again and this time I have my turbo where I'd rather just have it done the first time. So that's typically our recommendation. Just replace the turbo, be done with it. And again, goes back to oil, making sure you get that maintenance taken care of, making sure that you have good quality filtration for the air, good air intake on it. So that's going to help clean up that turbo too. Yeah, my experience that issue on my truck, I mean, again, it's the same turbo LOI to LMM. And I didn't drive my truck for a couple months as I used my commuter car to drive around and it was when we had heavy rains. So um, you could tell that the, I actually got some vein position codes and by not driving it, it caused those veins to stick. And so it took about a week to a week and a half of driving in order to get those veins to loosen up. Luckily, it was in such a short period of time that I didn't drive it that I could actually get it hot and get those veins moving again to get it fixed. But a lot of times that's when we see more of those issues with those guys who only are using it um, once a month or only in the summer, that's when those issues are going to come along. So it's definitely better to drive your truck, not let it sit, not keep those, the miles super low. It's better to drive it, honestly. Yeah, we'll tell customers, you know, for the fuel system, go out there. If you're not going to drive it, go out there, at least start it up and let it idle for a while to get everything functioning for the fuel and the injectors working on the pump working. But a turbo, you really got to drive. You got to get it out there. Uh, I worked with a guy a long time ago. He's always retro, uh, drive it like you stole it. You know, get out there and drive that turbo and, and run it like you stole. Put your foot into it. Get those veins to be open and moving and get that boost working where you get the full functionality of it. 
do any of these from, that we've chatted about so far, LB7, LBZ, do they have any sort of common issues with the up pipes cracking or anything as far as movement with them? And I think of the power stroke guys and it, it can be an issue on some of those trucks. And um, I, I wanted to ask with these, is that something you guys get a lot of inquiries about or is it pretty uncommon unless the heat's just out of control and it's got a ton of miles on it? My opinion is it's not that common. We don't see it that often. We do sell up pipes and manifolds and we do see some up pipes cracking at the bellow. So it, it's something that does happen, but it's something that we don't see a lot of. And, and as Jake mentioned, we partnered through our Duramax service center. It's not very common that we see that concern come into there. Um, one thing we do see is say like the boost tubes coming off um, at the, or the boost tube boot at the turbo splitting and you have a lack of boost or a whistle noise, something like that. But the, the bellows, yeah, it can happen, but I wouldn't call it common. The, there's other things that we see that are definitely more common than that, like say the turbo or maybe even an EGR valve sticking with time because it gets a carbon debris you know, build up inside there. Is there any sort of mileage if if I called you or even like right now in the podcast, I guess I'm going to ask it. Would you guys tell me to stay away from a certain mileage on any of these trucks we've chatted about so far? Should I be afraid of something at 350, 400,000 miles? What, what do you guys think? Depends on how much money you want to spend. You know, that's uh, if uh, if your pocketbooks, you know, doesn't have a bottom to it, then yeah, go for it. I mean, but if I was looking at one, I would say, you know, if you're getting up into that high 200,000, 250, 300, you're, you're probably going to be coming up to something depending on how it's been maintained, what's been done to it, of, of maybe putting a, a short block in it or something. Um, through the service center, we've had a customer come in that needed to get some head gaskets done and he had a little over 300,000 miles. And it's like, hey, you know, you're you're a little over 300,000 miles. We can do head gaskets for, you know, X amount, but we do head gaskets for this cost on it. Let's call it $7,000 for just a, an even number. If you end up having a cracked piston down the road or something else, all this money is pretty much all for naught. You're gonna have to put a block in it. And so we've had some customers give them an option, let it be their call. Some wanna go ahead, you know, just the head gaskets. Other customers wanna go ahead and put a short block in it and, you know, do something to where they don't have to worry about it. And they have that peace of mind when they're out there towing or driving for their daily. But yeah, I mean, I would say that high 200, 300,000, uh, the LBZ was my first Duramax. And when I bought it, it had 118 and I sold it about 180 and it's still going strong out there. It's, I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of being a truck owner is when you do have an issue and you have to make that decision. Am I going to spend more so I don't have to basically pay twice in the future? And it can be so tough to, I think as a truck owner to be able to look at it like that, but that's, what's so helpful chatting with you guys about it as you see this day in and day out. And you have those examples where I'm sure there's somebody like you mentioned, who's able to do head gaskets and then they have an engine issue not long after, well, you've got to go in there again and do it. So being proactive with the maintenance and proactive with the repairs, I think is incredibly important. And I mean, this next, this next engine, I, there's one major question I want to ask you guys about the LML and that's going to be with the injection pump, but talk to me about those kind of trucks. What kind of things people are contacting you guys with what sort of common issues? I know the CP4 is probably going to be one that, that you guys mentioned and I have a lot of questions about it, but I'm curious what other things those trucks might face. I'd say even before we jump to the LML, you still got the LMM. So after the LBZ, you had a short window of 2007 and a half to 2010 for that LMM motor, which was pretty much the LBZ just had more emissions component on it. They added the diesel particulate filter. They changed a little bit to the EGR cooler and then changed the body to it. 
Um, GM tried to make things a little more cosmetic friendly, better fit and finish with it. Um, so that was a, a short window. And then they jump into the LML with that CP4 on it. Uh, and yeah, that CP4 can be a challenge, um, challenge not only for the Duramax, but it's also and the Power Stroke and the Cummins too. And, and those two have made some changes with where GM hasn't on the, the CP4 on it. But um, some things I think you could do on it is, is, you know, you got your typical steering suspension, just like the rest of them, but adding a lift pump to it. The big thing, if you don't have the money to do a conversion on the CP4 to a CP3, Exergy makes a fuel pressure regulator, which is nice. It it still runs the operation, but it has a little bit of a filter on it, so it can help trap metal. If that thing does come apart, then it'll help trap the metal in the regulator, so you don't have to replace everything in the fuel system. We've had customers tow their trucks into the service center, and it just stalls on the road. And you know they might be traveling someplace, they might be going to work, and next thing you know, they're hit with. Uh, you know, through the service center, you're probably looking twelve to fourteen thousand dollar bill on it. And if you take into the dealer, we've heard stories of twenty thousand dollars plus to get that fuel system replaced. And it's it's everything. It's dropping the tank, replacing the cinder, cleaning out the tank, every fuel line, every rubber soft line, the injectors, the rail. Whether you put another CP4 in or you do an injection pump, it's a big job, and it's it's not pretty. With the the conversion, that's where. I hope you guys, I'm sure you can, can educate me on it, is what options are out there for converting the injection pump? What does, is it the final solution? Is it something where people do them, they just never have any issues, you know, again, with the fuel system on them? Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit my own experience on it, and then I'll have Jake talk about some of the options that we offer. So I have a 2016, obviously, LML. Uh, had the CP4 on it and didn't really have issues with it, but I knew that at some point there was going to be an issue. And at the time, I was doing a lot of towing out the family, um, driving from different states for my kid for baseball and such. And so I wanted to make sure I did something so I'd have the reliability and the, the peace of mind. I don't need to be out in the desert someplace with a trailer attached and the family on a Friday late afternoon and find this thing. I, I can't go anywhere. So we went with SNS. SNS, we did the uh, carb legal. Uh, conversion on it. We put a little bit of a union on it. We have a YouTube video for the installation on it. And I've had great success with it. Um, early on, we um, had a little bit of maybe like a starvation. We added a, an air dog to the truck also, like pretty much a couple days once we were done on it. And it's been great. I've had zero issues with it. Uh, great company, great product. We probably sell the most of those, but we also offer a lot of other ones that are some some really good companies that we offer is that some have some really good price points. And Jake can talk a little about some of those. Yeah, so Fleece Performance offers a 50-state legal kit as well, and their stuff is really nice, and they also offer a couple other kits. So if you're building a higher horsepower build, they offer just the, the higher horsepower pumps itself, same CP3s that you can get for your LBZ or LMM, and then the install kit if you're really doing like a competition-style build. But um, SNS and Fleece are kind of the leaders as far as the um, full emissions intact, fully legal in California in all 50 states uh, as far as where you're going to be able to run those. And because they have hookups, because there's a ninth injector that actually runs off that injection pump that you have to have in order to have the emissions intact. So there's a lot of different kits out there, um, a lot of variations as far as the piping goes for the fuel feed and return and everything. Um, so, I mean, just make sure that you get a quality one. I know Worley makes some good options as well. Um, and all those, those are the basically the three companies that we would recommend going through, depending on what your build is. 
And, and one thing with some of these companies, you know, one of the nice things for us is, yeah, we do some dropship with it, but we stock a lot of that stuff and we start to build relationships with these companies like Fleece and SNS. So when we're doing an install on one of our own personal vehicles, or if the service center has a challenge, we can reach out to these companies and whether we can give them feedback for a product or, you know, they can ask us questions if they're having something. So that is one nice thing that we have that not only do we have the, the technical advice and the experience with these trucks, but having the relationships with these manufacturers that we can work together on certain things. I thought it, it was really cool with these conversions when like the companies you mentioned have them that are 50 state, you know, compliant or legal to be able to use, which historically in diesel, it, it, it was never like that. It was never really a thing. And I think that's something that's incredibly important for people that are in California. I know there's a lot of, a lot of truck owners out there. Um, I look at, you know, some of the plays we get from different states. California is massive. And I think being able to you know, live there and be able to get a CP3 conversion and have a carb number with it is so it's massive. It's, it, it's yeah. huge for, for, um, you know, just being able to have uh, an upgrade on the truck for reliability and to be able to confidently have it. So when you have to go do smog emissions checks or people who are traveling into the state or travel there a lot, they have that confidence in, in those, those products. Yeah, I mean, you never want to be a guy that lives out of the state that goes and does some kind of upgrade and spends thousands of dollars on it. And then you decide to move to California or, or another state and find out that now to get the truck smogged, you have to take that off and put something else on. So now you're going back and spending another four or $5,000 on something with it. And we've had customers that, that we've reached out to us that are kind of in those scenarios where they're looking for a catalytic converter. They're looking for this part of that part because they had it removed. They got rid of it and now they need to smog their truck and they don't have these parts. So yeah, having that carb stuff, um, the diesel industry obviously, as you know, is changing a lot with the performance and carb and EPA and everything with it. So these manufacturers are making those changes are trying to hit all the states is definitely a good thing because there's a lot of consumers out there in California. With the now with the CP3 itself, there might be somebody who's listening who's really new to diesel. They might know about common rail injection. They've done some searching on the internet. They hear these things about the CP4. How much more reliable, in your guys' experience, is a CP3 as an injection pump across all the different LB7, LOI, LBZ, LMM? And then being able to take that reliability and add it to an 11 to 16 truck, which has a lot of upgrades to it with the interiors, the electronics, everything else. That's, I think that's the major appeal to me is I can have a newer truck with all this technology and different styling that I really like. And I can take the reliability of a CP3 and have it and drive it to any of the 50 states. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right there. I mean, the, the CP3 is definitely more reliable. I mean, it's gonna wear out over time. Don't get me wrong, just like any part. Uh, like on an LBZ, we would typically see a CP3 run uh, 180, 200,000 miles before it just starts to, to get weak or even an LLY. But uh, I'm one of those customers. I had that LBZ and it had some features and benefits and a decent interior with it, the cat eye, great power with it, but looking to get something new, some more technology and um, a newer truck with it. So you go and you spend all this money on this brand new truck, but then you also have this ticking time bomb that you're informed of that might go off at any time that's going to potentially leave you on the side of the road. So yeah, it's a little bit of a catch 22, but to know that there's companies like Fleece and SNS that offer products, you can go out there and put a solution on it and have the peace of mind. I think it's great. I mean, I've driven through multiple States with this conversion on it and had zero issues. And I'll be, be doing the same this summer, traveling and driving the truck and not really having to worry about it. So uh, yeah, it is nice to have that. You get the best of both worlds, really. Yeah, and Chad has a lot of miles on his trucks. I mean, he's really putting it to the test. And 
I mean, we're, we try out the parts that we sell. There's a lot of stuff that we have on our own trucks that, that we do sell. So we want to use them. We're not usually going to put something on that we don't sell or if we're going to try something out before we sell it um, is what we're going to do. But the CP3, I mean, the, the key there is when it does fail, you, it's going to get weak over time. It's You're going to get a low rail pressure code. You're not going to have metal thrown throughout the system and have to replace the whole fuel system. So regardless, if you do have to replace it eventually in 200,000 miles, which it, usually that's going to be a long time. I mean, it, it's just a lot easier, a lot cheaper. I mean, you're going to be a third the cost, if not less, just to replace that pump, even if it is a, that does go bad. So just a lot better solution in our opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the scary part with the CP4s is the instant catastrophic failure and the huge repair bill that, uh, you know, that can be intimidating. Or if you're thinking of picking up a truck, um, people might overlook it. But I think with these CP3 conversions, it totally changes the whole dynamic of which Duramax engine somebody may you know want to buy or, or want to keep for a while. And as I you know, think about the newer ones, the L5Ps, it is arguably the one that I know the least about. Um, I, I know that I love the styling of the trucks. I know I love the hood on them. I know that there's a lot of new innovation that has happened with them. And I think as they've started to come out of warranty, you guys are probably getting more calls from people that, you know, either having issues or want to do upgrades. What do I need to pay attention to if I'm looking at an L5P, not necessarily a brand new one, but one that's like 2017, 2018, 2019, something like that, that I'm just going to pick up. Do I really need to pay attention to certain things or failures that could happen on it? I mean, steering and chassis is going to be the same from 11 to, to 19 for the most part. So all those same things, just the wear and tear items, like we kind of started with the LB7, the, the hub assemblies, the, the tie rods, anything that's going to be moving on it, um, maintenance on it, it's kind of what you have on there. One thing that we've come across in the last couple of years is some of the insulation that goes around the engine is that they really tried to quiet these motors down to where they, they're they not loud. It's like when you, you pull up next to it or you listen to when it's not like that old loud 6.5 diesel, you know, they're nice and quiet with it. Well, the downside about that is that to try and do this, they're also putting a lot of pressure on a lot of the injector connectors and the wire harness. So we've seen different chafing on wire harnesses. We've seen injector connection issues because they put a, an insulation and they put a cover on it to try and insulate that motor. And we've seen issues on those and on the insulation. It, one of them is uh, close to the oil fill. So Jake actually just did a video on one. We had a customer who had a repair done, got fuel on this insulation. Well, the fuel gets on the insulation and eventually sparked fire while you're driving on the road and burned the truck to the ground. So making sure if you're doing your own oil change or a shop's doing it, making sure you clean that stuff off because the last thing you want to do is have oil spill on this insulation or diesel fuel or something and down the road ends up catching fire. So that's a big one right there. Um, and I'm with you talking about the hood. I mean, my 2016 is the LML. It's got the, the front end and everything on it, but I've definitely contemplated putting that hood on there and I've never done it, but we've got some customers that have because it, it gives it a different look to it. It's a completely different truck, in my opinion, of just by putting a hood on it, which you wouldn't think a hood would do that much. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's I, I had mentioned recently talking about we were talking about Duramaxes on another issue and I had mentioned on there like the 15 to 16 in my opinion, was like the peak of GM styling. I love that body style of the Chevys. But then somebody mentioned, well, what about the L5Ps? And I'm like, oh man, I forgot about the hood. No, you're absolutely right. And, the, and a lot of it is, you know, with the truck is we want to we want to love how it looks. We want to we want to like it. And so it's, it, it would be really tough for me to pick between the two. But that it, it helps to understand issues that I might face because I, I think with these trucks, even on the used market, they're so expensive. And when we're going to invest that money, we want to keep it for a while. Um, we want to be able to enjoy it and 
hopefully we're being proactive and thinking, okay, what issues could I face? What could pop up? What can I avoid? Which in, in doing podcasts, it's one thing I've learned is that a lot of this stuff can be avoided, whether being proactive with maintenance or if there's common issues, um, like we've talked about, you know, a lot of them with the different uh, engine codes, you can avoid versus a $7,000 repair bill or 10,000 or even more, you know, depending what the issue is. And I think the, the L5P is just, you know, those early ones are just kind of coming onto the market where people are interested and they want that technology, like we mentioned, or the styling or those sorts of things. And they may not know, you know, what else should I you know, look out for, or be prepared for. And I'm sure that's going to evolve as well as there's more, you know, age and, and mileage, mileage on them. You know, I was thinking of a question to ask you guys about Duramaxes because I get this one a lot. Somebody will message or comment and say, if you're going to buy one Duramax, which one would you buy? Or I get it about power stroke and comments, but you guys are expert at Duramaxes. So I wanted to ask you if, and excluding a brand new truck, which one would you guys recommend is a solid, reliable purchase in stock form? I'm not talking about power, making a sled pull or, or drag truck or anything like that, but something to daily drive every day, something maybe even taking into account repair costs, maybe parts availability. What would be one you would recommend to look to towards a first Duramax purchase? Um, I mean, I bought an LLY because it's right price. I, in an ideal world, I would have bought an LBZ. Obviously, that a lot of people like them. Uh, there's a reason for that. I mean, I've I've had some overheating issues on my LLY, and I wish I could change the cooling stack and kind of defeat those issues to the LBZ stuff. So I, ideally for daily driver, I mean, it's comfortable. I really like the seats in them. Um, I'd, I'd like to get an LBZ for kind of the first truck. But again, at the same point, I really like the interiors and the, even the exterior styling of the L5P. I really like the power that the L5P gives you. And I mean, kind of depending on where you're at, I mean, I, I really like the LBZs, but L5P would also be really cool to have. Yeah, I'm with Jake. I mean, the LBZ is going to probably be your most solid, reliable. The crazy thing is the price point. You know, you got a truck that could be a 2006, 2007, and they're still holding, you know, $30,000, $35,000 if it's a nice, clean truck with, you know, uh, medium type of mileage on it. But LBZ is probably going to be your number one. That truck's going to probably go down in history as somewhat of a classic truck and going to continue to hold its value through the years because it has the least amount of emissions on it, which obviously nobody wants to deal with. And then you get into the, the later LML, like the 1516 and then the L5P uh, with the styling, the technology that it has. Um, the biggest thing I think besides the CP4 on the LMLs would be um, some of the emission sensors on the L5P. NOx sensors, EGT sensors, all stuff that's in the exhaust that they can just not read properly one day and it doesn't give out the right signal. And next thing you know, it wants to put you in reduced engine power. And unfortunately on those, um, we haven't came up with a solution that's gonna be something that you can prevent it. It's just gonna be something you have to be aware of and know that, hey, okay, as long as we can offer this sensor, this product to get to the customer, because for a long time, GM had these parts on back order. So you got a sensor that fails and it puts you in reduced engine power. Now you can't get to work or go on your camping trip or get the boat to the lake or something. And nobody has a part to be able to fix it. So it's not sitting because you can't drive over 30 miles per hour. So that, that's the only downside to me on the L5P. That's, that's a challenge, but um, otherwise, yeah, I would say those three model lines. Does that same issue exist on the LMM and the LML as far as GM either not having parts in stock or discontinuing them as it relates to some of the sensors um, with emissions and, and things like that. Uh, Cause I, I, 
it slipped my mind and I skipped over the LMM earlier. Um, and I know it's very similar to the LBZ, but that question does pop up is, um, you know, it has a great engine. It's very similar to the LBZ, but it has its DPF and there's some other little changes with it. Does the reliability go down substantially versus an LML, which I think is what maybe a lot of people compare to when they're in the, looking in the used market, they see the LMMs and then the LMLs and they can get torn between the two. So is that a major issue you guys find with, you know, the 08 to, you know, to the L5Ps with the availability of some of these OEM sensors and components? Uh, GM is discontinuing parts left and right almost every day, it seems like, which is just crazy to me that they're going to do it. But ultimately, the LMM, not really. I mean, you have a um, pressure sensor in the exhaust. You got a couple other ones, but we don't really see issues on those sensors on the LMM. You might get a diesel particulate filter that might get restricted over time that needs to get replaced, but it's far and few between. So the LMM, not nearly as much sensor issues as you get into the really the later LMLs, like the 14 to 16, and then the early L5Ps for the sensors and the emissions. I mean, heck, Travis is one of our sales managers. He's got an LMM, and I want to say that truck's got 235,000 miles on it, still running strong. He just did a bunch of um, new upgrades to it and plans on holding on to it. And he tows with it and, and camping and a horse trailer and stuff. So he really hasn't had any issues with the emissions at all on his truck. That was one of the reasons that I got an LMM. That was the one that I had um, because I came from a 6.7 Cummins where I had a ton of issues with sensors. Um, it was just a nightmare, Just and I bought it brand new. And at that time, looking around, you know, there was a 6.4. They had some issues early on. I didn't really hear a lot about LMMs, and I didn't have any issues with it at all related to the emission systems, codes, anything. It was just start right up and go, and it was just I didn't have to worry about it. And so I think that's something to to keep in mind when looking at older trucks for somebody who doesn't have one, but they're, they're interested in the GM lineup is historically those 08 to tens, they performed really well at the time. And it's refreshing to hear as far as long-term they've held up pretty well compared to some of the other diesel trucks that are on the market and have a ton of issues with sensors, knock sensors, pressure sensors, things like that. So they definitely don't need to shy away from them. I'm sure, I mean, each, each one of these engines, could be a whole podcast in itself. I mean, we could do a, a whole episode on a turbo or a pipe circle system. So I'm sure I didn't ask something or didn't go in depth enough. And so for somebody listening, they have a specific question for you guys about any one of these engines, um, any sort of upgrades, what's the best way to contact you guys, ask questions, learn more. Um, maybe they want to do one of those maintenance packages and just get everything all at once to be able to maintenance their truck. How do they reach out to you? Yes, and there's a few ways to reach out to us. I mean, we're always on social media, so I'm the one who's going to be answering your questions if you're on there. Um, and if your question is too complicated for me, I'm going to go to Chad or talk to some of our technicians uh, over at Duramax Service Center. I'll call over there if it gets too detailed. But send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, um, comment on our YouTube. I mean, really, whatever you want to reach us, whichever way, I'm monitoring that all the time. So if you got questions, ask them there. Or if you want to talk to anybody on our sales team, a lot of the guys that own Duramax is here. So our phone number is 877-4MY-DMAX. And I mean, that's a good way to get a hold of someone. And then um, we all own them. So we want to know or help you out and get your truck on the road and keep it on the road. So um, that's really the best way to get a hold of us via phone. Or if you want to reach out via email, you can contact us on our website at dmaxstore.com as well. So all kinds of ways to find us somewhere. <laughs> I, like I, said, I, I said at the beginning, I really love it because when I call a place and I'm talking to somebody and I know that they don't own the truck or, or if they're just, they're not even passionate about it. 
I can tell right away. And it sort of changes the whole tone of the conversation of whatever I'm asking about. So, you know, if I got an LOI and I get Jake on the phone, well, I know he's got an LOI and I know Chad's had an LBZ and there's, you know, probably a bunch of different combinations you guys have there. It's just so refreshing because you guys know what I'm talking about. I could probably describe a sound, a problem, an issue, something I'm having. You guys have seen it and faced it. So I think that's that's really cool. It's very unique. And it was really insightful to to learn more about all these. Like I said, I've only owned one of all the ones we chatted about, but I know who I could ask if I do find that LB7 that I've always really kind of wanted <laughs> to get and build. So I appreciate you guys this time today chatting with me and educating us on things we should look out for and ways we can keep these trucks on the road and, and running the way that we want. Yeah, much appreciated. Thanks for having us on. For all those people out there, hope to hear from you. Give us a shout someplace. If you ever got a question, we're happy to help. Yeah, thank you. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. We appreciate them offering that code just for Diesel Podcast listeners. It's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear for hunting, fishing, EDC, something, you know, having the glove box, use it at the job site. Got really a whole lineup of knives that are designed to meet any budget, ton of different choices. Their latest model is the Duralock model, which the blade is D2 steel. Also has a, um, an opening mechanism, keeps your fingers away from the blade. Super smooth, um, responsive, bunch of different blade um, designs and also handle designs, handle materials to choose from. So definitely make sure to head on over, check them out if you're in the market, use the code, save some money. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, um, J. Cole, John. All of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps, or on our Discord, or follow us on social media. We appreciate your support here in year seven of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more episodes of topics that you want to hear about this year. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.